Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Paul, I know this is going to shock you, but it turns out there are snobs who write about cocktails just like wine runners. I'm stunned. I knew you would be. <laughs> uh, and I just ran into a couple of versions of that, and guess where? Uh, just about everywhere. Well, yeah. Actually, that's true. <laughs> but e- even better, on a wine website. Oh, yeah, great. So wine writers are spreading their narcissistic, tone-deaf, socially malignant dysfunction every th- everywhere they touch. Rick, that sounds terrible. They're, it's like it's like the, the hand of doom from some bad Disney movie is what it sounds. Yeah. Well, we're fighting back today, Paul. Here we come. Here we come. Here we come. Also today, we have listener questions about wine stains, group etiquette in a wine bar, and tasty notes at wineries. Or Horrible Wine Writing scores 97 points for hooey. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and as usual, we will make fun of wine stops. And in case you are wondering, yes, we are still on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup. That's Sacramento's NPR station. They should know better. <laughs> but they don't. Well, and we are actually in their special category of Capital Public Radio Recommends. So if you go to the website and look at podcasts, you will find us. Thank you, Capital Radio. And uh, all I can say is NPR, good luck. Yes, yes. Bless you, bless you. All right, so let's get back to that dysfunctional writing thing. So, Paul, if you order a drink or a glass of wine at the bar, what are you trying to do? Um, trying to get a glass of something to drink. N- n- yes, exactly. But not according to a bunch of writers and websites. Uh, they say you are trying to impress your bartender. <laughs> now, it's, Yeah, maybe not. Not us. I mean, we're not going to impress anybody. So we, that's just beyond us even considering that. But... Um, and, well, but, given that half the bartenders of the world are actually actors waiting for their big true. break in the movies well, anyway. On the West so. Coast. Or, or, yeah, that's probably All right. true. Yep. All right. Uh, however, however, uh, there is uh, this uh, This is another one of those wine sites that are pretty popular, and they try to be populist. But they, they clearly haven't listened to our podcast. Well, we're, neither, we're not populist or clever or anything. <laughs> no, not we're much. Not. So, but here's a headline from a few stories that I've seen, um, actually over a couple of websites, but yep. one, one in particular. The nine mistakes you're making at the wine bar. Okay. One of them would be walking out of the restroom with toilet paper stuck to the bottom no, of your that's, shoe. That's more a restaurant issue, I think. Um, <laughs> okay. Order like a boss, how to impress your bartender. and Order like a boss? Uh, what does that mean? Right? I, I think it's the, a word that cool people know. <laughs> We, we don't. We're, we don't yeah, know. We're, we're not cool. Order yes. like a boss. No, yes. Does it mean, hey, yeah. give me a beer? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and the other is how not to embarrass yourself at the bar. Well, Rick, you could use that one. Uh, well, yeah, but it's something at the bar. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. So yeah. why, you know, I but figured when you when you consistent. take your shirt off and get up on the stool, that's always a bad thing. To, I just keep telling you, Rick, it's a bad thing. Really, to do. you think so? Yeah. <laughs> It gets such a thrill out of that. <laughs> you know? Okay, you know, but that, I'm guessing that none of the recommendations they have have anything to do with toilet paper stuck to the bottom of your shoe no, or dancing no, in the bar. It's, 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 you know, and so this is what this one that I'm uh, griping about came from uh, uh, this wine website, but it's a you know, it's two, couple of stories about the cocktail culture. And, you know, it, it's a reflexive way of, of writing about wine. And, you know, it's where they treat the rest of the world if it's made up of small children. Well, right. you know, small children old enough to drink. But, you know, right. this thing where you're just a disaster and— um, Well, or or it's a game and you're supposed to go into the bar and the, your job in the bar is to score 100 points. Whereas, yeah, right, in fact, right. my job in a bar is to try to find something I want to drink. Right. 
And and I, I, I think, you know, unless you're trying to hit on the bartender, and good luck because the bartender is— uh, <laughs> That ha- has never happened has to a, a bartender before. Yes, but right. And <laughs> you're not the only one. You're not so. the only one. So You're not even the only one right now. There are six other people at the bar trying to do the same and thing. And your bartender's job is to impress you. Right. Your bartender—and and the truth of it is— Bartender is in the service most industry. Most bartenders really do get it. I mean, there's always the jerk everywhere, but the, right. but it, it is right. you know it is a the professionals, the real bartenders that have been at it for a while, um, the mixologists and others that they actually understand. I mean, they know their job is the service industry, and right. they and they are right. all about service. Yep. Yep. So so this is um, this was the the headlines um, of two stories that this wine website ran recently. Yep. One said. Ever wonder what on earth you could possibly order to impress that bartender behind the bar? Here's the other one. Can I answer the first one? Well, wait till we get to the second one. Okay. Wait your turn. Okay. Okay. Here are the 10 drinks bartenders wish you'd stop ordering. So one says, what can you order to impress your bartender? The other one says, what shouldn't you order so you you won't embarrass yourself? Okay. So So I know the one drink that the bartender wishes I'd stop ordering. Which is? Tap water. Yeah. I've heard that, by the way. I see you coming. <laughs> I see me coming. Yeah, and they go, oh, here comes that tap water guy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and the th- On the rocks with a twist. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. Crush, crush some ground pepper with your hands and then filter it through. Uh, um, so the thing was, this was, and this was one of those ones actually where in most cases the, <clears throat> the bartenders were trying not to be the people a, a that the wine writers wanted, wanted them, them to, be. to be. Right. Right. And but what was also funny was that many of the cocktails that were under uh which ones do they want you to stop ordering are also the ones they told you make you look cool. Of course. So, you know, That's perfect. there's no guidance here. That's perfect. You know, but it so is So, give me give me a hint. Like when I walk into a bar, what should I order that'll make me look cool? Uh well Anything but that tap water. <laughs> I mean, I sort of, I sort of don't want to play that game. Yeah, you know? I hear you. you know, so I, I actually rather not. But you know, but you know them, and in fact, you know, but drinks that came up on both lists were drinks like Old Fashions and Manhattans and even Sazerac. Right. I mean, this is a right. You know, it, and these are, you know, why wouldn't you order that if you like that drink? Well, that mm-hmm. right there, Rick, that is exactly the right answer. Right. If you like that drink, order it. And if the bartender doesn't like making that drink, the bartender should go to a different bar. Right. Well, and the bartenders, you know, what was funny, the bartenders tried to be politic about it. What they said yeah. was, you know, I, it's always great to see when people experiment. But if somebody comes up and wants a vodka soda and when it's busy, I'm thrilled. Right. You know? Right. So, right. yeah, you know. And, All I have to do is put vodka and soda in a glass and hand it to the guy right. and he's happy. Yeah, and uh, find that line. That's it. That's you know? right. And, and so there's not um, this... It, it, it is. It's just a. It's it's nonsense. And I'm it, I'm waiting for Starbucks to come out with the ten coffee drinks that you should order, should not order, so that your barista won't hate you. Yeah. Because I don't. That's not exactly that culture there, is it? No. The culture of Starbucks is any way you want it, any way you make and it. And the more complicated, the more complicated, yeah, the better. Yeah, yeah. Right. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's there's so there's the thing about this, and 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 I think it's the this. It's worse in the wine business than in any other part of the world of this sort of idea right. or how, you know, the things you can do wrong. We did a story the once, I mean, a show once on all the stories that were about the things you could the do wrong. horrible social faux yeah. pas. Yeah, but it's it's like 
it's it's also like these websites are sort of falling for the old advertising industry's definition of cool. You make it a moving target so the consumers will sort of, you know, <laughs> keep keeps buying your product or whatever right. it is. So right. you have yeah, to Yeah, but stay they don't know them. what they should be buying. It keeps changing. They don't. Well, it's yeah, and that that is the problem. And we you know, we Rick, hate the one thing that never goes out of style, tap water. I was going to say us. <laughs> I think tap water is way cooler than us. <laughs> tap water is cooler than us. Yeah. I don't think we've ever been in style, buddy. Yes. Well, there you go. All right. Well, we're going to slink on over and answer some questions now without any style whatsoever. Thank you for listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. If you'd like to ask us a question, please go to our website. That is rickandpaulwine.com. Or you can click over on iTunes or from uh, Capital Public Radio's podcast line for sure. Uh, this first one is from Olivia in Davis. And this is what... Olivia says. This is kind of a delicate etiquette question. And she's asking us? <laughs> well, you know, I gotta love our <laughs> listeners. Let me let me read this first part. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of a delicate etiquette question, and I've heard your podcast enough to know that delicate isn't your guys' default setting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. She Olivia, said, we love you. But anyway, my husband and I were at a wine bar with friends. They'd bought a bottle of Pinot Noir and poured us a little when we got there. We wanted another glass, but didn't know whether to ask for a pour or offer just to buy another bottle to share or buy a bottle of something else and maybe offend them by implying we didn't like their wine. Actually, we didn't like it, but we were there to socialize, so it didn't matter. See, we really do like Olivia. I kept trying to get my husband to say something, but he just sat there like a lump. <laughs> she kept kicking him under the table. Yes. Whack, whack, whack. We ended up chipping in when they decided to get another bottle of the Pinot. Suggestions? Yes. I think they did the right thing. Uh, I'm going to suggest something else. Okay. Which is they came in. People had already ordered a bottle of wine. Folks said... Um, here, taste some of our wine. They tasted it, weren't wild about it. Now you're drinking the wine. Perfect solution is we'll get the next bottle. Happy to try your wine. This is delicious and all the rest. When we're done with this one, we'll get the next bottle. And finish that bottle. And if you have to help finish the bottle, that's fine. But then you get to order what you want as the next bottle. Yeah, I, I, I know where you're going with that. And I, I don't disagree. I think maybe that you order it um, before they finish the before bottle. Before they finish the bottle. So that you're not just drinking their wine. Yeah. And well, you, you and, say, let us try. We're going to throw something else into the pool. Sure. It's a different wine. Just sure. to have something different. Yeah. But it, it, it's all about how you say it. Right. It's not what wine you order. Right. Yeah, right. It's all about, oh, this is great. Cool. You know, we one of the things we've been really excited about recently is this kind of wine. Let's yeah, try that. Yeah, you guys that. want to try this. Yeah, and I think that's Why that's would a good you way. go to a wine bar and drink two bottles of the same kind of wine? Because you like it. Okay, but they don't like it. Well, I'm just saying the first group. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the but the first group there. drinks yeah. the first bottle, and, I mean, the whole point of going to a wine bar, it would seem to me, is you got more than one thing to drink Well, there. or as Olivia said, they were there to socialize, really, to see their right. friends. So it, right. it wasn't— it, so Apparently, she was, her husband wasn't there to well, socialize because no, he, he was, wouldn't say anything. He was there not—well, he was not, not not about this delicate situation because <laughs> he is, uh, quoting Olivia, alone. So, 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 so two <laughs> options. One of them is— but either way, yes, you offer to buy the next bottle and you offer a suggestion as to why you were enthusiastic about trying or we've heard something cool about right. or I've always wanted to try or, you know, the sommelier at our restaurant recommended or any reason at all to say, well, we're in a wine bar. Let's try something. Yeah, I, I, and I, I agree. And it's really sort of be enthusiastic about the other wine rather than dismissive about the first one. Right. And, 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 and you're getting right. this 
for them, even right. though you're getting it for you. So, um, but yep. actually, but fundamentally, also, you, you know, you know, if you guys are there to have a nice time and you had a nice time and um, and you weren't wild about the wine, okay, well, that happens too. And it sounds like you know that's not a horrible way of dealing happens with it as to well. Me all the time, um, you're well, the, Rick's place. You're having, well, you're not you're not <laughs> wild about the company either in that case. So. Uh, that's a lot, a lot more difficult. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, I'm fine with the wine. Could you bring us? <laughs> yes, could you bring, yes, yes. <laughs> you're funny. You're not the only one that says that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. This next one is from Glenn in Oakland. I never get the flavors that are on the tasting notes in a tasting room. Is that them or me? Do I care? No, you don't care. And, and yeah, it's them. It's probably them. Yeah. You know, we have that study uh, from our friends at Cornell. Cornell. Uh, where they did, a, they looked at uh, tasting rooms uh, expense yep. in two different states, New York and California. Yep. Tasting rooms, big, little, good, not so good. In every single case, and then what they did was they, they had people, they had the wineries put tasting notes on the counter, and right. then they had them not put tasting notes on the counter. Right. In every single case, big, small, large, popular, whatever, tasting notes hurt sales. Right. Yep. And because more, and, most people are like Glenn. Yeah, and you know what? You didn't need Cornell University. They could have just called Glenn in Oakland, and he would have told them this. Yep, yep. So Glenn maybe can get an honorary degree from Cornell. <laughs> or at the very least get a discount at his local taste <laughs> yeah, for telling go. him, you know what? These descriptors aren't doing anything to help me. Yeah, and that's the thing. And what, what the Cornell folks guessed um, was that lots of people? They hurt sales because lots of people said, "Well, I'm not getting, I'm not picking up the anise that's in there." I'm not so this wine it. must must not be for me. Must not be for me. That's right. right. And you over know, my head or under my feet. Right. And it's yep. you know, and it does it. I think in it it, it 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 changes the relationship with the person tasting the wine. I mean, right. the, with the wine person and the wine they're tasting. But Rick, now they you, feel like they have to live up to the wine as opposed to just decide what they like about it. If you don't give them tasting notes, how will you educate them? Well, then that, that's – oh, yes. <laughs> Heaven forbid you're not educating your consumers so you can sell them your product, right? Right. So uh, another rant of ours if you that's haven't right. heard that particular one. Um, so the answer there, Glenn, is you really don't care. You don't care. And in fact, I would suggest don't. you pay no attention to tasting notes and simply taste the wine. If you like it, ask for a second glass or a bottle. And, and if you don't like it, ask for something else or call up Olivia and see what she's drinking in Davis. There you she go. may have something yeah. good going. So, and, and actually, here's a, a suggestion in general for anybody going into a winery tasting room is don't read the notes first. <laughs> Seriously, you know, it's just taste the wine. Yeah. It be, can be very nice about it because, you know, what happens is the person pouring it and they have a spiel and they're going to they say, have this, a spiel. this wine has lovely notes of huckleberry and blackberry and right. raspberry and, and cornberry. Colored and, deeply purple colors. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, you know, so they, but they've got a thing that they do. And, right. um, and, you know, I don't know if you can talk them out of that, but don't pick up the notes and, and see if you're getting it. Um, and just decide whether you like it or not. Just right. that's, that's really the question. Right. Mm, I yep. taste this wine. Is it good? Is, is it, it good not or good not? for me? That's right. right. Okay. Yep. Well, uh, that's it for questions for now. Uh, but speaking of not good, coming up, some really horrible wine rating. Excellent. Glenn's not going to like what we got for him here. Uh, Actually, these are – neither one of these would be qualify as tasting notes. Uh, Certainly one of these. Uh, But you have something else for us. Well, one of the phrases that I've always thought is a little bizarre is threadbare tannins. So the genes are falling apart. There's a hole in the pocket of the tannins. There's a hole in the pocket of the tannins. Or the knee is coming out. 
what is it you're trying to say there? Are there a lot of tannins? Are they tired? Are the tannins tired? Are the tannins thin? If they're thin, why wouldn't you just say thin instead of threadbare? Because threadbare makes it sound as if there were a lot of tannins at one point and they've kind of worn away. And yeah. I don't think that's what they mean. Uh, I think that is not what they mean. I think that they say threadbare because they're trying to sound like they're cool. It's that, oh. that old uh, uh, thesaurus style of writing. Well, I, see, let me let me look up thin and see what things might qualify as thin, so that I, I can see. sound like a good writer. I see. I see. You would know. Uh, well, you know, well, I, I I don't know what a good writer sounds like, so I'm, <laughs> I'm just guessing. Pointing out, as we have on a previous shows, that Rick has actually written a book that made it to the New York Times bestseller list. So, yes, he does know a little about writing. People will read anything these days. <laughs> okay, right. so what do you have? So Speaking is, of writing. This is another one of those, uh, um, uh, you know, they're trying to sell me this wine. It's a, another one. Oh, yeah. of, you know, I, I have pitch. I have I probably should stop doing this, but I get such a kick out of these websites that are trying to sell me and, wine. And so is, I keep bringing in email. This isn't it's an email. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, you know, I click through and I get to their website. Right. But it's an email that says, uh, dear Rick, we know that you're an idiot. So you're going to believe everything I'm about to tell you. Yeah, this is the difference between you and me, Rick, because when I see that header that says, dear Rick, we know you're an idiot. I don't click on it. Oh, I see. I, I say, oh, boy, this is going to be fun. <laughs> well, actually, if the, if the one has the subject line just says, dear Rick, we know you're an idiot. I think they know me. <laughs> so I, I could be for one of my That's friends. I could be for one of you. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, so do I, you have any? <laughs> <laughs> the, they all think I'm an idiot. All right. Okay. So this is uh, there. Here's them. This wine is a stunner, and Parker just rated the overall 2015 vintage from Napa in a huge, in bold, 97 points. Wow. The grapes are sourced from select vineyards and are a blend of 81% Cab, Merlot, Petit Verdot. The lots were vinified separately and aged in French and American oak barrels around Napa Valley, including Oakville. Around. So the age, they were aged around Napa so Valley, including basically, Oakville. Basically, this guy walked into Napa and bought up a bunch of odd lots of wine and blended it into a wine. Well, I don't, it doesn't say they're from Napa. No, that's true. No, I guess they must be. Well, uh, well, interesting. Well, it just says uh, sourced from select vineyards, but it doesn't say they're from Napa. And and well, it does. The last last sentence does have oh, yeah. that. Okay. But I love it. Where they're aged doesn't matter, but well, they're aged so, from barrels around Napa Valley, including Oakville. Right, as if aging in Oakville oh, is better it's than the aging place in to age. Everybody is knows it? that. I way age, better. I'm no. aging in Napa. You're aging in Sacramento. Oh yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. My skin's staying fresher, though. <laughs> Let me keep going. So so this is the lots of vinified, separately aged in French-American oak barrels, basically in oak, and we're uh, and around Napa Valley, including Oakville. A winning combination, if ever there was one. It shows dark fruit and hints of brown spices. <laughs> What's most impressive, however, is the incredibly affordable price. Now you can drink Napa Cab all the time. So it must be from Napa. But there's like... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven words there that actually describe the wine in any remote way. I only get three. Dark fruit well, and I'm, brown I'm spices. Well, I'm using the it shows and and of as, as, you know, as part <laughs> of the sorry, sentence. I'm sorry. When you're starting counting of. What's the whole sentence? <laughs> I'm giving them credit for the sentence. <laughs> okay. Wow. So yeah. that, but that is, oh, dear and, Lord. And the other yeah. part, the other wonderful thing is um, Parker gives the overall vintage the, in Napa 97, 97 points. points. We scrounged around and bought anybody's old odd lots. That they wouldn't make wine that, out that of. they wouldn't make wine out of. Yes. And now we got one that we're making yeah. at an affordable price. Right. right. What does that have to do Somehow with... implying that they got that 97 yeah. points. Yeah, not right. even close. No, not even close. All right. Uh, now you two. Yeah, anyways. Okay. Good. Well, I think it's time to take a couple more questions while we can. Okay. So this is from Andrew in Sacramento. Do you have any tip? Oh, <clears throat> this is a good one, Andrew. 
Uh, do you have any tips for getting wine stains out of stuff? And what's the emergency procedure when you spill red wine on a white shirt? Is there something I should do right away? Yeah, what you do, what I do, what I do, uh, I take that shirt off and start dancing. <laughs> Goes over well. I was wondering if you're going to go there, Rick, because yes. I, I, I know we'd laid the groundwork for that. <laughs> I just didn't know if you're going to share no, that. Yeah. No, no, I, do, um, I would do that. Actually, Andrew, there is something that um, restaurants will tell you, which is immediately pouring white wine on a red wine wine stain will soften up the red stain and make it much easier. It won't completely get rid of the stain, but it'll make it much easier to wash the shirt later. That club soda trick does a little bit, too. And there are also, there are a handful of products that... There are things. And you can spray on them. Many restaurants have them. Absolutely. It's it's interesting that, that as a customer, you may not go out I mean, Rick does, but most people, when they go out to dinner, do not take stain remover with no, them No, I just in wear plastic. <laughs> I, I have a, my, my wine drinking plastic bib. suit. Yes, you just put yes. on a bib. Yeah. <laughs> little goggles. <laughs> I got little goggles. They're good goggles, though. Yeah. Yeah. But most restaurants, if you say, I've just spilled some red wine somewhere someplace, the restaurant probably has a little bottle of one of these stain removers that work pretty well. But again, in, in an absolute, if you're in a picnic out in the country and you don't want to use Rick's suggestion of ripping your shirt off, white wine will, in fact, um, dilute the red wine and make it much easier to wash later. Now, if it's a silk blouse, Rick, what's the proper treatment for a silk blouse? Take it off and start dancing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. You heard it from Rick. Yeah, that's right. Actually, so that the point about pouring the white wine on the shirt with the red wine, I'm supposed to wait till I spill. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what the heck? You were doing a little preemptive strike. You pour a little white wine on just in case you can spill some red wine later. Actually, Andrew, the one, and the other real real note besides the dancing part is the faster you you react, actually, is probably a little better. Yeah. 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 And and the material does matter. Silk, sorry. Yeah. But um, normal dress shirt, white wine will, will do a pretty good job. Yep. All right, this is from Colette in Santa Barbara. Are Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris the same thing? Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. Because... This is so often the R answer on everything. <laughs> yes, we know the That's answer That's amazing that people folks. keep asking us questions. Always yes and no. Um, it's the same. Same the grape. DNA is the same for the grape. Yeah. Pinot Grigio is made in any style based on the Pinot Grigios that are, that are made in Italy from this grape. And Pinot Gris is often made in the style that is made in France from this grape. Unless, of course, they're not. Right. But in general, (laughs) Oregon, for example, chooses to call their wine Pinot Gris. California, I think, usually uses Pinot Grigio. Yeah, you see more. You see more in that, but not all. Um, it is the same grape, though. That's, that's just exactly French and the, Italian words. That's it's all. it's yeah. exactly the same grape, and it's just two different styles based on whether it comes from northern Italy or northeastern France. Yeah, and so the the which which you know, if it's European, if it is Italy or is France, you are going to have an absolute stylistic difference. You know, and right. and the Italian will be a little little more acidic and a little brighter, and the and the French will actually be a little richer. Um, have you know both of them have lots of actually they're, they're I like them both even though people make fun of Pinot Grigio a lot. You'll drink anything, right? Uh, well, there's that too. Uh, but in the U.S., it really is it is gonna be something of a case by case basis. Yep. You know, it just and, because and of course the the traditions of Pinot Gris often being made in Alsace in northeastern France, Pinot Grigio being made in the 
in the Veneto in northeastern Italy. But over the years, uh, Santa Margarita has had such a huge impact on the market. that And that is not that bright. Right. Italian. It's actually much richer, which is, is almost the model for California Pinot Grigio. Right. So right. even then, yeah, you're right. All right. All right. I think we have time for one more. This is from Cassie in Reno. Although she is in Nevada, and so the rules are going to be a little bit different, but I think they're pretty much consistent. The rules in Nevada must be completely different. Um, Nevada. Gambling and prostitution yeah, are probably legal. Probably right. So <laughs> if you're gambling in your car, well, let me read her question first, and then, and then we can start being idiots. <laughs> Do we have to wait that long? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's hard It's hard for us. But let's, let's try to restrain. So okay. what are the rules for carrying an open bottle of wine in a car? Does it matter if I don't have a trunk? It kind of does matter because technically the rules are if you have an open bottle, if you seal it back up, in other words, pop a cork back into that bottle, or if it's a screw cap, reattach the screw cap to it and put it in your trunk. Generally in California, that is not considered an open container right. of alcoholic right. beverages. It gets more complicated when you are driving a car that has no trunk. Yeah, it's like um, the SUV with the back, the open Right. Back, yeah. Now, yeah. if you put it far enough away that it's out of the reach of anybody in the car, uh, you'd need an attorney to give you advice on this. But it might, that might be a defensible position. Having it in the cup holder right next to you as you drive, Probably a mistake, not a especially good with idea. another cup, with an actual cup. That's not always a mistake. <laughs> right. the, um, actually, I've had a, a friend of mine who's a police officer who, um, who said that, you know, if, you, if you've got that in, in that SUV-type situation, if you've got that stored a pretty good ways away, you're, unless somebody's really got it in for you. And Rick you're, you're does have a lot of friends who are police officers. Well, it's this, it's not, they're not really friends. They just sort of follow me around knowing <laughs> Professional acquaintances. They know there will be trouble. And so they uh, – but so that is in the trunk. If you've got one without the trunk, way it's back. far, from, far away way from you as possible. Machine. Yeah, if you want to yep. stick it in something, even better, yep. you know, like a bag or something like that. Um, all right. Well, people have one, been wanting to stick us at various places. Um, but for now, we're just going to close up the show. Go to the trunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, well, I've been there. Uh, anyway, that is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is Matt Bassini. Thank, Thank you. you, Matt. Thanks for your patience. <laughs> Thanks to Capital Public Radio for their patience, for the studio use, and for including us in their podcast lineup. Come to our website, ask us a question. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's don't worry about impressing anyone. We sure don't, right? Yeah, we sure don't. We have never tried. We never can. <laughs> I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us. Mm-hmm.